I just have so much stuff with me today. Um, <laughs> was this when I was supposed to come up? I, I didn't yeah, you were supposed to come up yeah. right now. I just want to say one of the things. Yeah, thanks, Peter. Yeah, Peter, no uh, this is Peter Kapsner. Yeah. We'll get to him in a moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have you it's here. It's so good to be here. Yeah. Good to see everybody. Oh, this is just so fun. Yeah. Well, okay. Let me just share a few things, Please, and then we'll yeah. get into the message. Okay. <clears throat> I wanted to say <clears throat> last week we had our outdoor service and grill out minus the outdoor service. We were indoors. But I was so impressed with how many people came to that grill. We said, we got to do this again. So in July, I think it's the 25th, whatever that is around there, we're going to do another outdoor service, this time hopefully be outdoors, and another grill out. So mark that. The Yeah, it was really fun. <clears throat> Free food, right? That's a, it was amazing how many people stayed. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say to you is, as we come to the end of this year, this is our last Sunday, next Wednesday, the last Sunday before our fiscal year ends, um, <clears throat> I'm asking you to pray as we want to close the gap, end strong with a balanced budget as well as we can, and as a result of that, um, be able to do some of the things that, that we hope to kind of do this uh, coming year and to start off well. So if God would lay on your heart to think about, man, I would like to help out as we end the year, we would love that. Last thing, we have a golf tournament coming up for guys, um, and my name is actually on here with a foursome. <laughs> The key is this, you get a bunch of ringers. I got some U of M golfers played, we won. Your name's not on here, Peter. It's not on there, Kevin. Cheater. I, I don't I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe some here. I'm gonna ask Dave if he would come and take this. Dave Odison, if you wanna uh, sign up, we're in back. Dave, thank you for getting my name on there. Um <laughs> Okay. We're in a we're in a series that <clears throat> has been an act. This first song we sang um, this morning touched my life because I've been kind of working through some things and just some things even around uh, church related and just seeing how God has been at work. And uh, I was in one of those places of fear, kind of going, God, what, what, what are you going to do? And as I've shared with you before, he said, watch um, and he's been continuing to fulfill that promise. Not that I don't do anything, because my problem is usually getting in his way. It's not not doing anything. It's doing too much. And, mm. and God was calling me to be balanced in the sense of just follow and let him work. And he's done some incredible things. So singing that song kind of plays into acts. Um, we kind of think in some ways we don't live in signs and wonders and miracles, but you know what? If you open your eyes and you walk in faith, you will see God work in ways that you just couldn't imagine. So Peter, it's great to have you here. Peter Kapsner, um, who does all kinds of things, teaches at a couple of our universities, a Christian universities in town, is, has a radio show. What's it called again? Um, it's just part of the Faith Radio Network, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I love doing these messages with Peter, uh, and we are going to kind of do this teamed up one on destinations. We've been in a series called Unprecedented. We're breaking down acts as we go through it. We did it unprecedented. We've had unprecedented decisions and disagreements, and and, and now one of the kind of up to the place now in what I call destinations. Sometimes you end up in places you didn't expect. So hmm. did you have, uh, have you had that occur in your life? 
huh. like sitting here right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> totally. Yeah, thanks for calling this morning. Now I yeah. just happen to be free. So. <laughs> glad you, I'm glad you said yes. I, mean, I, I didn't know what I'd do otherwise. Spirit, Kevin, so yeah. Um, you, you asked me that question a bit ago, and I think like all of us, right, we probably can look back over the, the course of our life and think, um, you can't make that up. If you could sort of rewind yourself 10 years prior to certain places or certain times, you just, you can't imagine where God might take you in, in those places. So I think the, uh, out of the many stories that I'm sure we all have, Kevin, I think the one that, that stood out for me immediately when you asked the question, uh, and, it, and it involved being coming part of a church situation, and, and I've been in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area for ever since I was born, right? Mm-hmm. And so I've been in a lot of different kinds of churches and ministry situations. And you sort of think, gosh, God is going to invite you to ministries where it's going to be amazing, and, and signs and wonders are going to show up, and it's going to be awesome, and, and all of this sort of thing. There was one morning where um, Hallie and I had been doing home church with our five kids for the better part of two or three years after a long season of being part of the organized church and mm-hmm. really were sensing that God was inviting us back into the organized church. And we literally had our kids all dressed up, ready to go to the church that we thought we were going to go to. It's about 8.30 in the morning, and I'm cooking eggs, not very well, but I'm trying to stir the, the scrambled eggs. And it was just all of a sudden clears the bell, that sense of you're not supposed to go there, you're actually supposed to go here. And it was in a different church altogether. And Hallie came walking into the room about 15 minutes later. She's like, um, Peter? And we, and she had had like a similar experience. So, you know, it's always, it's hard to discern God's voice and we could have a whole probably series on all of that, right? But it was really clear that we were actually supposed to go this way instead of that way. But what was weird about the whole thing and going this way is there is also a, a distinct sense of internal dissonance that in going this way, it wasn't going to end well for us. Mm. It was going to be actually a very difficult experience. And sure enough, we went that way, and we had an internal sense of like, no, we know we're supposed to be going this way, but we also know it's going to be really, really difficult. Yeah. And it's one of those things we don't talk about, Kevin, very often, is just the idea that God... Um, is in this prosperity-driven culture in which we live where we assume God is just going to bring all of these amazing financial, vocational, relational, health blessings and all of that. When you actually read the scriptures that you've been in, in the book of Acts, how often he's inviting people to destinations in which it's probably not going to end well for them, but the kingdom is going to come through them as or, a result Or there will be a measure of, of difficulty and endurance yes. before God brings you to a place that he wanted. So as we... Talk about that. I want you to be thinking about. I'm sure there's been a time in your life. In fact, it may be that your coming to Jesus was not even something you expected, um, because it says the Father draws us, and so sometimes He draws people without even an awareness of how He's moving. Could be that you're in this church today because God moved in a way that maybe you weren't anticipating, and and then you go, God's brought us here, and and I'm and, and I'm we're thrilled you're here. And then for some, it could be. Um, the person you married, or it could be a friend that became a, a very close friend of yours. It could be the job you're in. Um, you, you're in a career that when you went to college, you never anticipated. And, and then through time, you didn't realize this is where God has actually prepared you. So you're there. But what is really interesting about this passage of scripture as I was studying and putting it together, and as we've kind of talked about it, is these destinations. And we're going to talk about three specifically. There are sometimes destinations with regard to people, destinations with regard to places, and destinations with regard to purposes. And so in Acts 16... Those are three Ps, Kevin. Can you say those again? I just yeah. Want, I'm going to sure I'm following all... Because, again, this is all new to me as of this morning. People, places, so. and purposes. Okay, there I you can follow go. So I you think want I can write that down in your yeah. mind. I'm now we know where we're going. I'm going to try. There, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so Acts 16, 1 through 15, if you take a look at that passage, they, it breaks down kind of interesting because there's 1 through 5. It, it's Paul... Um, 
going to a place, to a city called Lystra, as he's returning back to these churches he's planted, and there is a person that comes a part of his team that he wasn't expecting. Um, Acts 16, 6 through 10. Paul leads and his companions that he is going with, they go to a place they weren't planning on going. In fact, they go to Macedonia, which was not on his short list of places to go. And the last is 11 15 through 15. Um, Paul and his companions end up experiencing the work of God, the purposes of God, not in the moment, but at a point later, they begin to understand that. So Peter, you want to go ahead. We're going to talk about these um, things. So let's talk about people and how God leads people um, into these places, sometimes into our lives that we wouldn't expect. Do you want to read the scripture as we sure. um, move through that? Yeah, we'd love to. Uh, so Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews in the area of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. So the first thing I just want to mention is about Lystra, and then I'm going to ask you to talk a little bit about Timothy, if you would. Lystra is a city that he goes to. It, it's a city that's kind of a, it, it's not one of these modern uh, cities that was uh, quite contemporary in that time. It was more of a rustic kind of, it was on the path, but something that didn't have a lot of business, so it didn't have a lot of other cultural elements in it. So he goes to this place, they do a, a, there's a miracle that occurs, and in Lystra, you would not expect there to be anything waiting for Paul and his companions. A church had developed there. They thought when they came that Paul, because of this miracle and Barnabas, were actually two gods. They hail them as God, they're going to sacrifice, and then they run them out of town. So Lystra is not a place I don't think Paul's excited necessarily to go back to. There's not much he's going to find there. Tell us a little bit about Timothy. Yeah, it's, it's an intriguing story in there that his father was Greek or Gentile, his mother was Jewish, and the primary concern of the book of Acts, and even so many of the letters of Paul as he's going from church to church to church, is how in the world God's people extends and expands to now include the Gentile community that historically had been excluded from the community of God's people. They were supposed to have nothing to do with the Gentiles, right? And But God's redemptive plan was moving in that direction this whole time. And, and Timothy sort of represents that reality, where he has a, a father of Gentile heritage, a mother of Jewish heritage. So he learned all about the faith through his mother. And there's some beautiful passages of Scripture that uh, Paul really extols the virtue of Timothy's mother for teaching him um, the history of the faith. But being descended from a Greek or a Gentile, he hadn't been circumcised. And that was one of the questions that was part of the the just whole first century world is did the Gentiles need to start practicing Jewish rituals in order to be part of the kingdom? And there's just a lot of teaching. Well, all especially that. we talked about that decision right. that was made where they said, no, this doesn't have to be the case. So you'd almost think that Paul would go, no need to get Timothy. Because the whole book of Galatians is all about basically saying, this is life in the spirit now. It's not life in the law. And yet he still chooses to so do this So why do you Timothy. think he had him? 
Certain well, I just, I think sometimes there's those things that, um, can be barriers for people, right? And, and I also, um, just, just to kind of take that out of the mix, take that question out as he's heading into ministry, but, um, he's very clear in other times that this wasn't needed. But it's, it, it's such an interesting mix back. So it's necessary that, that, that he, I mean, it's not necessary for him to be circumcised according to what Paul fought for just in a few ch- chapter before. Right. But Paul is of such a pragmatic nature. He goes, I'm going to be going to these places where this guy, Timothy, who has Jewish background, people are going to be wondering, why isn't he? And it's going to get in the way. It's going to be a roadblock. So in some ways, I look at it this way. If you were to go to a Middle Eastern country and you wanted to reach people who are of a Muslim faith, um, we do this as missionaries. You know, Women will wear um, the burqa and other things such right. as that in order that they would not offend. So, so Paul's pretty pragmatic. He says he'll do anything to reach people. He'll be a Jew if he needs to be a Jew. He'll be a Greek if he needs to be Greek. And he'll, he'll, he goes on and says things like that. So here he comes into this town and who would have thought he would come up with this, you know, come before this guy named Timothy. And Timothy um, was so important to the rest of his ministry. I mean, I don't think he was going there thinking, okay, I'm going to get Timothy, and I'd like Timothy to be the guy I'm going to groom, and someday, Paul didn't even probably realize, but Paul was a visionary, got things started, Timothy was a good finisher, a developer, and and, and so he all of a sudden gets this guy, Timothy, um, on his team. Are you pointing at me as if I'm Timothy? Right now, are you like Paul and I'm Timothy? Is that well, what's happening this morning? I kept pointing you keep you, pointing at me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't think either of us are the Timothys. Anyway... <laughs> Let's share a few examples. Sure. I mean, your own life. I mean, I, and you, as you're thinking about this, I'm sure God might be um, bringing up a name yeah. in your own life that you go, wow, I wasn't, I didn't, I came to this destination of a person and I didn't expect it. Or it could be that God's doing something right now and asking you to open your eyes because you're kind of going, I don't see anything around here, but maybe God has someone that he wants you to see. So go ahead, share it, uh, if you would. Yeah, I think, again, when you and I were talking about this, I just want to be really careful because sometimes there's these uh, sort of supposed distinctions between the paid professional ministry people and sort of the rest, right? And so when we have examples about doing ministry with people, we're, all, we're part of the priesthood of believers, and all of us are invited to do kingdom work in a variety of ways. So the people like the two of us are not doing any more kingdom work than any, anyone else. But it's interesting when you start saying yes to the kingdom work, when you say yes to, to God's lead, when you say, you know, take me, lead me, um, where can I be a minister uh, and an ambassador of reconciliation on your behalf, that oftentimes I think, and you probably all know, people that sort of come alongside that at really critical times. And, and I think of just one quick story, uh, Kevin, there's a number of them, but uh, I think it was 1999, and I was at Bethel Seminary, and um, I was in my last season, my last semester at Bethel Seminary, and you could take two pass-fail classes uh, during your whole course in scope and sequence at seminary. And of course, being a person of intellectual rigor and, and really wanting to apply myself, I still had two to burn. So I'm like, yes, I'm absolutely <laughs> taking pass-fail uh, classes right now because then I can sort of skate on through. And my professor at that time was a guy named Jim Bilby, who is a professor of theology and a really gifted one. And it was one of his first classes. And as I'm kind of skating through his apologetics class, learning to defend faith and all of these things, um, I was turning to my papers and we didn't know each other, but he came to me one day. He said, dude, you're an idiot, which is like my love language, right? So I knew we were going to be friends almost immediately. <laughs> so when I'm joking around, yeah, oh yeah, my gosh, that. yeah, no, it's not all this acts of compassion stuff or whatever they all are. Um, and so, <laughs> and he said, you, you've got an easy A in my class. Why are you taking pass fail? And it was just, we just started this beautiful friendship from this place. And the reason why I bring that up 
is Jim is a person um, who taught me the value of just straight intellectual honesty and, and intellectual humility, meaning that he's as smart of a person that I've ever met, and yet he is more concerned with what the truth is of God's kingdom than he is about his existing theological position. Yeah. Because he believes down to his toes, and, and we have so many conversations where I will say stuff to him that I think might be true about the kingdom, and he'll say something like, either, dude, you're an idiot, or let's keep talking about that, or these kinds of interchanges. But because he knows that authentic freedom only comes when you're living within the truth of the kingdom, right? You'll know the truth, and it'll set you free. Um, he taught me, in a, in, a, in a place like the university life, and often in churches, I think, we get so committed to our theological positions, that when the evidence begins to shift, that maybe freedom in the kingdom looks like this, are you more committed to being a gatekeeper of your existing position, or are you more committed to what kingdom life is actually like? And, and, and do you have the humility and the honesty to shift what you see within Jesus' kingdom, um, provided it's in the truth? We're not talking about cultural stuff and everything, but, but when that shifts, are you willing to yield yourself, or will you stay in this place? And he's taught me that over all these years of ministry, and I've learned the difference between freedom and, and gatekeeping, and it's been really helpful. That's cool. For me, I, I was thinking immediately about this, and I have a couple of my closest friends were not people I ever intended to have a close relationship with. And, and to this day, so maybe I'm just really bad at picking friends. But anyway, but God <laughs> placed them in my life in such a way that they've been just so invaluable and it's not what I was looking for. And sometimes that's true. It happens in people's lives. You kind of go, oh, there's this person there. You just didn't see it or you didn't find it coming. My marriage, listen to this. I was looking for infatuation and beautiful and my wife was looking for tar, tall, dark, and handsome. Who do you think won? Uh, just many different, many different ways. This is so hard. I know we have such limited time, but I have like 19 No, no, you can't go on because we got, we got two things to go. So gosh, you to, I know. Be quiet, you idiot. I'm sorry. Um, no, you don't yeah. say that word. All right. So I just want to say it again. Don't get frustrated sometimes in situations. Keep your eyes open. Because God might be aligning you with someone yeah. who's really important in the years to come. So secondly, let's talk about yeah. places. As you made fun of my alliteration, but persons and people and places. <laughs> I'm, I'm tracking. God sometimes leads us to places we just didn't intend to go. So let me read this scripture and then I'm going to have you just speak a little bit about where he was headed and what your thoughts are on it. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because of the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. The, then coming to the borders of Mycia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia, but again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mycia to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there, pleading with him, come over here to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Here is a situation where God twice, it's kind of interesting, mm-hmm. prevents them from going where I believe they wanted to go. Where they wanted to go was probably to Ephesus. They wanted to cut across because Ephesus was a key major city. And if Paul, in his strategic mind, could get there, he could impact a whole lot of the world. But God didn't allow him to go there for this time. Uh, and, it, it, you know, Ephesus, if I think about it, it's kind of like the New York, Bangalore, or, or even the Beijing of his day. He couldn't get there. 
God prevent it. What, speak into that a little bit. What's yeah, going on boy, there? there's I mean, a lot there, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, I know even part of the study guide of, of the sermon notes here is the idea of, do you know when it is that maybe God is um, thwarting where you think your plans are going to take you? And do you know when it's the opposition of the enemy and how do you tell? And I think we could probably swim around in that for... Um, a bit too, but I think a couple things to note about the passage that I just so appreciate, and, and I'm thinking about a couple that I know, a very dear couple in my life, that every January they get together and they make their plans for the year ahead, and their goals, right, and they their, their bucket list of things that they want to do, and um, I just, I, I appreciate that they would be the kind of people that would be willing to change direction on a dime should that warrant the circumstances warrant. And so it's not a bad thing for us to be thinking in the year ahead, like what, what things do we care about? What things do we want to engage with? But those things can become idolatrous just like that if you're not willing to change course according to where God might be leading you. And, and clearly, Paul, they're able to do that there. And, yeah. you know, again, Well, you examples, see this so. twice, and I think this is really important. It says in verse 6 and 7, having been kept by the Holy Spirit, which is an interesting thing, held them back. You're kind of asking, so what held them back? Well, the Holy Spirit, but we always want to go, what, was it some circumstance, what was going on? Right. It was the Holy Spirit. Um, and then when they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus, not this time, the Spirit of Jesus. So the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, same person. Um, I think it's interesting, we in our church talk a lot about being people of both the word and the spirit. We want to be grounded in his word, but man, we want to listen and follow the spirit of God. And I just want to say this really clearly, folks. You can hear the spirit of God. Do not believe the lie. Hmm. Now you may go, I don't understand, I don't know that voice. That's part of growing in God's word and praying and beginning to listen. We have a, 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 a ministry called Gateway Prayer Ministry. It's an inner healing where we help people learn to hear the spirit. It's possible and we encourage you to do it. But how, that get, let's get to this question. Yeah. How do you know whether it's God or just an obstacle? Or yeah. When do you push through it and when do you go, yeah, the spirit of God must be in this? Yeah, I think that's, I mean, without being dogmatic about this, right, in terms of how this may or may not work, I think, um, well, I appreciate what you just said, Kevin, because I think you know, and I hope you all know, just that as life has gone by, I have an increasing appreciation for the authority and the inspiration of the Word of God, like even more so than I did 20 years ago. It just, you get into God's Word, and it is all of what it says. It's living and active, and it's sharper than a two-edged sword, and it divides joint and marrow and all of that. So I have this huge appreciation for that. But as I talk in my class with my students from time to time, I will often say, but 99.9% of the decisions you have to make day in and day out, you can't actually find the answer to that specific decision within the word. In terms of, should I marry this person? It doesn't say, thou shalt marry Susie or something like that in the word, right? So like, how do you know what's consistent with the kingdom? And I think throughout the the course of church history, uh, Kevin, um, there's a sense in which, and I think we can tease this out of the text as well, that if there's a real interior sense of peace going on as you're stepping towards something and the circumstances are all kind of crazy making around you, right? They don't make sense and things are difficult and hard, but there's an internal sense of peace that you have even as you move towards those things, probably most likely the invitation of the Spirit to keep saying yes because the Spirit will just bring a peace that is, again, very different than the circumstances. We're, I think we, we pretty consistently lean into circumstances to guide us And the scripture would suggest that the circumstances are just completely out of bounds as a tool for discernment, that inner sense of peace. By contrast, and I have some stories around this, I don't know that we necessarily have time, but um, 
when your spirit is all stirred up and when you just, you almost feel this sense of what the ancients would call desolation in your spirit. It's like every time I take a step that direction, it feels like I'm walking through quicksand and it's wrong and my spirit is stirred up. Even if the circumstances all look favorable, right? Like it all looks good on paper. I should do that. But you just feel like you're in your spirit. It's going to, you're going to vomit. I mean, you got to do this with people. Yep, you can't yep. do this just yep. with yourself. So sometimes um, when there's repeated obstacles and God gives you this peace, you're not manufacturing, but it's a spirit given right. peace. You kind of move through those things. But sometimes repeated obstacles are God's way of getting your attention. For sure they are. And so uh, there is a cookie people, cutter. We right? can say you pay attention to the word of God. You pay attention to what's happening out here. You pay attention to what's happening in here. And you also pay attention to what I call the weird and unfamiliar. <laughs> Paul has a vision slash dream. That's an important thing that happens in this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and sometimes God works in ways that we just don't expect. But in scripture, we do see a number of times where he wa- works through dreams and visions. So pay attention to those things as well. And, and here's the, the final thing I want to say in this, and I think we need to move into this next one mm-hmm. for time's sake. Um, God affirms and confirms his word, that inner peace. He will also, as he looks sometimes as if what's going on around you, he will confirm and affirm um, through other trusted people yeah. in your life who are followers of God, who love Jesus, and they have character. Sometimes he uses people that are just strange. God's a God can do whatever he wants. Um, but, but often he uses other people. And in, in this case, he used the weird. If you look at verse 10, I love what it says here. Because you would think, I would think Paul would be the kind of person that would go, I had a dream, I had this vision, this is what's going to happen. We're all heading over. Right? Don't you get that's kind of the Paul that you kind of read in scripture. It's bold, we're going here. Listen to what it says. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready, and and I'll talk about this next week, the we, Luke is now with them in Troas. We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. Concluding is an important word. They together, Paul said, here's what happened. They together, I believe, Paul laid it out there, they prayed, and together they concluded that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. It wasn't this kind of like, I had this dream, guys, thus saith the Lord, we're all going here. <laughs> People can do that to do their own thing sometimes. They can do that to spiritually manipulate you. Yeah. Saying that it's gaslighting and all that kind of stuff. So here we have this, this, this passage of scripture with two destinations now. And Paul's kind of just watching God work in amazing ways. The first one is he picks up a person who he had, hadn't planned on who becomes a part of his ministry in amazing ways in years to come. He goes now wanting to go to the kind of Beijing, Bangalore, New York of the world, Ephesus, and he, he can't get there. He stopped. And God says, no, I want you to go to Macedonia. Now, we go here, and here's the, the last thing, what I call the purposes of God. There are times where God has a purpose for us, maybe even for you in your life right now, that you can't see. You kind of go, God, why did you lead me here? Because that's exactly what happens. Let's read. And Peter, you want to read that sure. 16 and 11 through 15? We boarded a boat to Troas and sailed straight across the island of Samothrace, and the next day we landed in Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony, and we stayed there several days. 
On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer, and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. So I think what's so interesting in this passage of scripture, can you imagine you have this vision, this dream, God's definitely calling you, he calls you over, they, they, they get to Macedonia, they go to Neapolis, they don't even report of anything there because it doesn't seem like there's much going on. They go from there, they go to Philippi. Philippi is a Roman colony. It's a place where many Roman soldiers settled. It had been given a Roman status, which was a big deal. You don't want to lose that. And so he goes there expecting there'll probably be a Jewish population. Okay, So you think he's first going to land in Macedonia and you would think there'd be all kinds of people ready to hear because didn't God say that? There's people calling for him. Nope, there's no one. He, he, he then goes to Philippi. There's not even a Jewish congregation. Um, and I think he's beginning to wonder, what in the world did I hear wrong? These, what's your purpose in all this guy? Well, talk a little bit about, I think, Lydia. Um, I think she's an interesting person called a worshiper of God. Um, the fact they're about a riverbank rather than, you know, why are they meeting at a river? Well, yeah, I mean, the circumstances, again, we could mine all of the, those things out. But I think it's just interesting to me and intriguing that as Paul is trying to follow the lead of the Spirit through this Mediterranean world, the people that he meets, where he meets them, how he meets them. And if we have a careful reading of the text, it's hardly ever the best and the brightest and the, and the most learned that Paul is inviting to participate in God's kingdom. And, and we see that later in the book of Corinthians, for example. He's like, remember who you were when you were called? There wasn't all that many bright among you, you know, yeah. and, and yep. God is, is doing this work of always upending the wisdom of this world. And I think... When you talk about the purposes of God, um, I think sometimes we get caught up, Kevin, in the idea that my purpose is this vocation, or my purpose is this, or my, our purpose really is simply to be the ambassadors of light, right? To be the ambassadors of the kingdom. And, and what's so intriguing, again, in these stories is um, when you read back through the history of Paul's life, I mean, this guy was killing Christians, yep. and God broke him down to the core, right? Like, just completely broke him, and he's like, I compare all of that other stuff that I used to think was so important as rubbish compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus, my Lord, and he just kept following, he just kept saying yes, and he kept going, and I think about, we're in such a tumultuous time in our culture, and the institutional church, or Christendom, and these things, it's, it's sort of all coming to an end in the way that we've experienced it, but, but God's kingdom's not under threat, like in the least, nope. God's kingdom will never be under threat, maybe the way we've experienced it is, is a bit different, and I think a lot of us are probably worried about rights and all these sorts of things, but the reality is, I think that the, the people of God have always been marked that their purpose and their vocation is to be increasingly the beautiful children of light in the midst of the darkness. And you follow God's spirit and the lead of those things independent of what it looks like. So he, so he comes, he's, he's kind of going, okay, God, you called me here. Where are all the people? He comes to this city. There's no Jewish synagogue. Right. They would then meet. If there were any Jews, they would meet by a river and they would have a prayer meeting. If there wasn't enough for a synagogue, they would, so that's where he waits seven days. He goes there. And here at this is just a few people. One of them isn't a Jew. She's just a worshiper, Lydia. Yet she's, the one thing about her, she's incredibly wealthy. They believe that she had businesses all throughout that Mediterranean area. So he's there. He eventually, as the story goes on, we'll look at next week, he gets beaten. 
I'm sure his mind is going, what's going on? Yeah. What, what happens so often in our life is um, God calls us towards something and it, it doesn't happen in our timing either, yeah. too, right? <laughs> it doesn't? <laughs> Not for it's, me. It has yeah, maybe, but... I'm sure nobody's familiar with that yeah, at all, right? So, yeah, no. so he's calling them. What happens with this little town of Philippi, later on we find out how much a purpose of... It was really God's purpose that he go there even though we couldn't see it. Tell a little bit about Philippi and what that meant in his ministry. Well, yeah. I mean, Philippi was incredibly impoverished. It turned out to be a very impoverished community, right? That When he's writing all these different letters, these different churches that we read in the New Testament. I mean, Paul wasn't guided by the New Testament because he was writing it. Um, but he was going to these different churches, and every church had sort of its characteristics that he consistently had to address. But Philippi became this really beloved church uh, of Paul that though they had almost nothing from a material standpoint, they continued to participate in the work of the kingdom in some unbelievably beautiful ways. And so as God seemed to be maybe course correcting or there's confusion or he's trying to walk out this path, he ends up having these beautiful partners who, again, outside looking in, they don't have a lot to offer, it appears, but they are but his main But if you partners. look at his letter to the Philippi, what's right. the one word he uses over and over again? Joy. Yeah. This place where he came and probably had no joy <laughs> looking around. He's filled with joy. And, and as you said, the church itself was relatively poor, but there was one person. Sometimes God gifts people, even in poor situations, to be able to give much. And, and Lydia was one of those kind of persons who was a huge supporter of, of his years into his ministry. And he would just go back and he'd say, boy, this place that didn't look like it was anything to me in the purposes of God was, as I look back, one of the foundational places and it was so good God took me by Yeah. I bet there's places in your life where you look back and go, I couldn't see God in this. But now as I look back, I thank God. And you go, that was such a hard place. Anybody know that? Experience that? And in that place, God met you and now you look back and you go, thank you. So those of you who are shaking your head, Turn to someone and say, just wait. Just, just, just do it. Just turn to someone and say, just wait. That's so encouraging, I, I want to hear you. Just wait. Because in your hard place, God's at work. Hmm. He's at work. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's, let's conclude this because we're going to end with a song. And mm-hmm. it's one that I really like because <laughs> it's, I have a, prof- the, the, the song itself is the prophetic word that God placed in my life years ago. Mm-hmm. And so you guys can listen to that in a moment. But <laughs> just a couple of truths um, when you've reached a dead end. What would, you know, as we talk about this, and the first one is this. Before the Lord can turn us, he often has to stop us. Yeah. Any, any thoughts on that? I, I mean... Yes, I, I just, I, one just quick story on that as well. I remember when I was standing up in a pulpit and about maybe 33 years old, and I remember as I was speaking, um, I was so sort of full of the idea that I wanted to um, have this vocation and keep building this ministry and stuff. Yeah. And I remember just clear as a bell, um, God sort of like plucked open my heart for just a second while I'm sitting here talking in front of people and saying, you know, Capstone, it'd probably be a good idea if you actually cared about my children more than you cared about your career. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, <laughs> That's so, a fun one. So that was like a really so big stop. I, just yeah. just, so in the place you're at, <laughs> pause. Don't panic. God might be giving you some information you need. 
He might get your attention on a person around you. There may be a person around you that needs to know Jesus. That person who you lead to Christ will have a huge impact, yeah. not just on your life, but others. I mean, there's, in these kind of things, God might be trying to get your perspective on something. And then the second thing is this. You know, if it's before God can turn us, sometimes he stops us, so pause, don't panic. The other thing I would just want to encourage you with is these words. God never closes a door without opening another one. And sometimes it's just a window. <laughs> okay? <laughs> sometimes you'll be crawling through a window. Anything you want to say? And then we'll yeah, have no, I know. Just that. I think it's, I mean, one of my favorite pictures of God as manifested in Jesus when he talks about the fact that he is the shepherd and, um, and we are the sheep, right? And we're, we're so prone to just, meh, you know, falling off over here and over here. Pretty soon we're off and we don't know it or whatever, but it just with that gentle rod and staff where the shepherd just kind of comes and kind of gently just hits us upside the jaw a little bit to sort of bring us back into the path of the kingdom. And, and I just think this is so important, Kevin, that we, f- we continue to follow the voice of the shepherd, uh, even when it doesn't look right on the outside, yeah. the shepherd really does have our back along the way yeah yeah i ask you to listen to this song let it minister to your heart and uh and then i'll come up and close in prayer